You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back to the show. Big Show with Russick and Rose. No George Russick. My name is Matt Rose. He's Patty Dumas. Welcome inside as uh, locker clean-out day for the Calgary Flames. Got a couple more hours to go. That's here. it. That's all. See you later. Uh, 10.15 is when media veils will begin for the players. It'll run until 2 o'clock. All the audio on Sportsnet today. Yeah, we'll have Flames all talk. the audio for you all day long. A lot of questions remain around the team. Jason Bukla had some really interesting thoughts recently. What did you make of uh, his thoughts about trading down in the first round? I like him. I, I, I like. I, I completely understand it. It's uh, it's kind of the middle where you're going to be without. You're going to miss out if you don't win the lottery. You're going to miss out on the the, the elite game-breaking talent, but that depth is really good. You don't see drafts that are that deep from the middle of the first round all the way to the middle of the second round. Well, he said top 64, like, like end of the second huge. round, you're pretty happy, like right? That's, so. And I think this is a team that, you know, we talk about refilling that cupboard, getting more prospects in here, some more high-end skilled guys. And I think, I, I think the defense, we, there's a lot of defensemen, especially in that middle pack getting back there. That you can find, so I think I, I totally agree with the Bukla trading back. I know it's not maybe what the what the fans would like to see; they mm-hmm. want to get the early pick. But I'm thinking down the line, organizational wise, getting more depth in here is key. As for the prospects, um, there are some guys playing. Lucas Siona continues to play with the Seattle Thunderbirds in the yep. WHL postseason. Might uh, be but, on a collision course with the with the ice there for a WHL yeah, title or the Rebels, either way. Yeah. Uh, but Calgary, uh, the Wranglers. We'll have a ton of prospects. Calgary clinches the Pacific Division title and the AHL regular season title tonight with a win at Abbotsford and a Coachella Valley loss against Bakersfield or getting to extra time and a Coachella Valley regulation loss against Bakersfield. So they can clinch the Pacific Division title, a first round bye, and the AHL regular season title. And that team is full of prospects. Pelche, Dewar, Wolf, Jeremy Poyer, Connor Zary, Cole Schwint, William Stromgren, Ilya Solovyov, Yan Kuznetsov, Martin Pospisil, Emilio Petters, Adam that, Peterson, and, and Adam Klapka, you name it. And only a good, a long run for these guys is only going to do you guys. Because we talk about just winning. All Being guys, a part of a winning organization can only do better things for them in the future. All those guys are 22, 23, yeah. or uh, 24. We're efforting to get uh, our boy Derek Wills on the line. as uh, He's going to be breaking this one down. He's going to be at the Scotiabank Saddledome a little bit later on today, too as uh, he's going to be chatting with the players. We're going to hear from... We don't know, actually, if we're going to hear from the general manager or the yeah. head coach today. Yeah, just we could just get some select players today. I know there's a little email they send out here of uh, media availabilities, and, and Tree Living and the coach weren't on there. We'll see. Uh, maybe Tree Living gets his own little spot on Monday, uh, give him the weekend and whatnot. Uh, but, yeah, I'm really interested to see who speaks today. We always find out who's been hurting long time here. We know, obviously, guys like Chris Tanev have banged and banged up all year. Uh, but again, this was a year where the Flames did not have the injury adversity. I mean, yeah, they were without Oliver Shillington all year, but then they were out with Tanev for about a handful of games as well. But this was generally a group that for a second Rasmus straight Sanderson year, and Rasmus for, yeah. for, for for like three games there after his, uh, after his scary accident as well. But, you know, really no long-term guys that, you know, they were generally healthy, again, mm-hmm. for a second straight year. Onwards and upwards for the Calgary Flames. We'll continue to pay attention. Uh, really the next kind of, I don't even know if it's like a 
uh, touch point for the offseason for the Flames. Yeah. But May 8th is the draft lottery. Uh, the Flames are going to have a 0.5% chance to move up to get the fifth or sixth overall selection because of where they're going to finish in the standings. And that, of course, is why we were chatting with Jason Bukla. Mm-hmm. Outstanding interview in hour two. It'll be up on Spotify, Google, Amazon, Spotify. I said it twice, but it'll be up there. <laughs> it'll be up there once. You can listen to it twice if you want. Yeah, sure. Dude. But it'll be up there uh, like in just a few minutes here, too. Yeah, like, subscribe, uh, give us a, a great rating. But uh, did want to also uh, chat. We're going to get a little bit more text uh, coming up in a little bit here. The, the question today has been 960-960. Who are you going to be surprised? Who would be the most surprising flame who is cleaning out their locker for the last time and why? Who would be the most surprising flame who is cleaning out their locker for the last time and why? Because everybody cleans it out. Um, I think there's some guys that are expected to not be back, whether they're UFAs or whatever reason that might be. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the guys that I think would be a very big surprise if for whatever reason they're not a member of the Calgary Flames next year. I think it's a good place to start with our next guest, Derek Wills, as he joins us down the Alice Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Good morning, Derek. Good morning, guys. Well, uh, how are you, buddy? I'm uh, still trying to wrap my head around the fact that the Flames season has come to an end, mm. to be honest. I'm not sure it's hit me yet. I'm not sure when it will hit me. Maybe when the Stanley Cup playoffs start and yeah. they're not participating because I'm not going to lie. When the season started, I thought this was a playoff team. I thought this could be – I'm not sure I thought it could be a team that could win the Stanley Cup, but win a round or two for sure. And even though they did struggle after that strong 3-0-0 and then – five one and oh start i thought they would figure it out at some point in time and they never really did at least not until the end they had a good record in their final 20 games but uh beyond that it was just up and down and a absolute grind and struggle all season long so it's still i don't think has hit me that this team didn't make the playoffs and that uh some changes are probably coming We've been getting a lot of answers and some serious ones. We're really enjoying the funny ones as well. But uh, seriously, who would be the most surprising flame who is cleaning out their locker for the last time today? Uh, A lot of the answers have been Michael Backlund, and I think that would be pretty surprising with one year left on his deal and just everything that he's meant to this organization over his tenure. But who comes to mind when I ask you that question? Boy, that's a tough one because they've got some UFAs. And I would be surprised if all of those guys were gone for good. I, I do think that there's some value in Trevor Lewis as a, a 12th to 13th forward as a, a fourth line guy that you can kind of move around and uh, use to mentor some of your younger players. Troy Stetcher was a really nice addition at the, the trade deadline. And I think he's a perfect six, seven defenseman. So I wouldn't be surprised to see one or both of those guys back as far as guys who are currently under contract. Is that kind of your question? Not even necessarily. Like, that's certainly right in there. But it's across the board. Like, Backlund comes to mind. I think that the guys that have one more year on their contract kind of are front and center in this conversation. But it's just kind of a general, like, people have said Mackenzie Weger. We've had Nasim Kadri come in for various reasons. The one is Jonathan Huberto, I think, because that extension is pretty daunting. But it's it's just kind of a wide-open-end question for you. Well, it won't be Mackenzie Weger. No. If I, I don't had a think farm, so. I'd bet yeah. the farm on that. I mean, I don't know why his name keeps coming up, guys. I think it's I because he was... Senators fans want him. 
is why I think it keeps coming up personally. Yeah, That's well, the I, only I want, reason. I want Connor McDavid. It's yeah. not going to happen. <laughs> the Senators aren't going to get Mackenzie Weger unless they make an absolutely ridiculous offer for him. Yeah, I know for the new guys, at times, it was a bit of a square peg in a round hole. But I would argue that of the new guys, he was the best of the bunch. He certainly was after the break. I thought he was the Flames' best defenseman coming out of the nine-day break. I really do. And he passed the eye test. If you look at the analytics, he was really good again. So he's not going anywhere unless someone were to make the Flames an offer they couldn't refuse. So you can take him off your list. As far as Jonathan Huberto, how would you move that contract? And really, why would you move that contract? Chances are he's going to bounce back. I'm not saying he's going to put up 115 points again next season, but uh, I don't think he's going to have less than 60 if he's healthy. Now, I guess the question with him and with Nazem Kadri and with some others is if Daryl Sutter's back behind the bench and his two-year extension hasn't kicked in yet, so I would suggest that's probably more likely than not, although I know there are people on both sides of that fence, then how do you fix some relationships that probably weren't where they needed to be this season? Because I think that probably has to happen to get guys back to where they could be or should be as far as their on-ice performance is concerned. It's a difficult question for me to answer, guys, because it would just be me guessing you know, who might not be back that's uh, under contract. As far as the UFAs are concerned, I would be surprised if Milan Lucic was back. Uh, if he does come back, it's obviously going to be at a lot lower cap hit than the one he was on. But even that... Uh, he meant a lot to this team, and that was a good trade for the Flames. They got rid of a guy who was a problem in their dressing room and James Neal, and who I would say didn't come as advertised, at least not as a player, and they brought a guy in who became a really important part of the leadership group, and they traded one bad contract for another bad contract. So uh, I know that they paid him too much for what he did, but uh, that was still a good trade for the Flames. So I'd, I'd be surprised if he was back. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you're going to see any of those guys who are pending UFAs moved out. If you do, it's probably because they've made it clear to the Flames that they are not interested in signing an extension. Today is going to be, in my humble opinion, a really important day for this franchise because the players are going to go through their exit meetings. They're going to talk to Daryl Sutter. They're going to talk to Brad Living and they're going to let those two guys know how they feel. And then the Flames are going to have to try to figure out uh, how they're going to solve some of these problems. And today's an important day, guys. And, and the next two, three weeks are probably going to be pretty important, too. It is a very important day. We'll hear from, obviously, the players today. But it's been a while, probably since the late Ken King passed away, that nobody from above the general manager has really spoken about the direction of this team. Is it time that, you know, maybe Murray Edwards, I know the guy does not talk, or a John Bean, is it time for one of those guys above the GM spot to talk about where the direction of this franchise is? Well, it depends what direction they're going in. Uh, I mean, if everything's status quo and Bradshaw Living and the management group are back and Daryl Sutter and the coaching staff are back, then I don't think there's any need for uh, Murray Edwards, who's the majority owner, John Bean, who's the president and CEO, to talk. Uh, but if there are significant changes 
and one or both of those areas, then, yeah, we probably will need to hear from somebody. But until we know what's going to happen, then I'm not sure anybody other than the GM who speaks on behalf of the Hockey Operations Department or Daryl Sutter who speaks on behalf of the team would need to talk. But the the fact that we're actually discussing these things, it's pretty telling, isn't it? Yeah, it's... I mean, the season did not go the way that I was going to say anybody thought that it would. I would say there are people out there who didn't have as much faith in this team as most people did, but I I think it's safe to say the season didn't go the way that most people thought that it would. I know that when the Flames started the season 3-0-0 with wins versus the defending Stanley Cup champion Avalanche and then the Oilers and then the Golden Knights, there were a lot of people saying, we were right about this team. They're better than they were last season when they won the Pacific Division with Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk. They're better. And then conversations quickly changed, especially after that seven-game losing streak. And after that, it was just tough for the Flames to, to find their footing. And uh, as we know, it went, uh, went two months without uh, a winning streak of three games or longer. They finally got to four for the first time to kind of keep their playoff hopes alive. But uh, unfortunately, it just never kind of came together, this team. Doesn't mean that it won't moving forward. There will be changes. I guess the big question for me is how significant will those changes be? Will it be, as Bradshaw Living likes to say, kind of tinkering around the edges, or will there be major changes to the core? Uh, I, I think there are going to be significant changes. I, I just, I'm not convinced that there are going to be massive changes uh, like some people are. So the GM and the coach you think are back? I don't know the answer to that question. Oh. I would be somewhat surprised if both were. Mm-hmm. You guys, right there with you. Yeah, like I just—it just feels like both can't coexist in this order. It's going to be one or the other. That's just the way yeah, I see and it. I, I, I obviously there's some smoke there, but we're not behind closed doors, so we don't know what that relationship is like. I think there's been a lot of people speculating about it. Fair enough, and I understand why they've been speculating about it, but we don't know how much those guys are or aren't on the same page. But there, there's been a lot of smoke, so I understand why <laughs> people are wondering about that. Uh, a little bright story to end the uh, end the year was uh, Dustin Wolf getting his call up and getting his NHL debut, getting his first win. Where do you see him playing on this team next year? Is he backing up Markstrom? Do they move Ladar? I know he's just about to get ready for a new contract, but it feels like Dustin Wolf, man, he's he's probably the best goaltender not currently in the NHL right now. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I mean, uh, I did some digging before the Flames' final game on Wednesday, and I love looking up uh, interesting AHL things because I spent 13 years in that league. So Dustin Wolf will, I believe, and again, if I had a farm, I'd bet it on it. uh, I believe will win uh, the AHL's best goaltender for a second straight season when the league announces the winner of that award next Wednesday. No goaltender has ever won that award in back-to-back seasons. And that league's been around for over 100 years, guys. And I think he's got a really good shot at winning AHL MVP as well. You know when the last time a goaltender won AHL MVP was? Jason LaBarbera? Yeah, 2004. Current Flames goaltending coach Jason LaBarbera when he was playing for the Hartford Wolfpack. So the fact that he's even in the conversation, and he is in the conversation for that award, says something. 
And I know how it works with those AHL awards because I voted on them for 13 years. You don't get an opportunity to see so many of the teams, at least not often enough. And that's a league where you don't play every team. So you literally don't see some teams at all. And it's not like all the games are on television. You can watch, watch the players on TV. So what happens is uh, all the people that vote on those awards. So, so I think it's general managers, coaches, and members of the media. At least that's the way it was when I was in that league. You, you, you get out the stats. And when you look at Dustin Wolf's stats, he leads the league in everything. He leads the league in wins. He leads the league in shutouts. He leads the league in goals against average. And he leads the league in save percentage. It is so rare for a goaltender to lead the league in all of those categories. It means two things. It means, A, he's really good, and B, the team that he's on is really good. And uh, both apply uh, to Dustin Wolf and to the Calgary Wranglers. Uh, he's a really good goaltender. That, that's obvious. I just, right now, there's no path for him to play for the Flames if Jacob Markstrom and Dan Vladar are healthy, at least not for the next two seasons, because both of those guys are under contract. So, if the Flames get to the point where they think that Dustin Wolf is ready to be an NHLer, a full-time NHLer, they're going to have to move one of those two guys. I think it would be difficult to move Jacob Markstrom right now because of his contract. I think it would be easier to move Dan Vladar, but I would caution people to pump the brakes a little bit. If the Flames were to start next season with Markstrom and Vladar and they kind of picked up where they left off, not lately, Vladar hardly played down the stretch. Markstrom played a lot and played pretty well. Uh, but if they were to kind of pick up next season where they left off this season, then maybe you look at making a move. But there aren't a lot of goalie trades, so maybe easier said than done. But unless they were to move one of those two goaltenders, the Flames aren't going to carry three goalies on the roster. So Dustin Wolf could be back with the Wranglers again next season. I know that's something that a lot of people don't want to hear, but they're going to have to move one of Markstrom or Vladar or one of those guys is going to have to be hurt for him to be on the roster. So if they get to a point where they've decided that he's ready for prime time, then they're going to have to try to make a move. And what I could envision happening if that happens is kind of like what happened with the Nashville Predators when they had Pecorine, who was still a really high-end goaltender, and UC Saros, who was the up-and-comer. So when he came up to the NHL, uh, as a full-timer, he backed up Rene. Rene was the number one guy. Saros was the number two guy. And then slowly but surely, Rene got less starts and Saros got more. And then it flipped. And I don't know if you want to call them 1A, 1B, or 1-2, whatever. It doesn't matter. But Saros became the, the number one or the number 1A. And Rene became the backup. So I could see that happening with Jacob Markstrom and Dustin Wolf. I think Wolf could learn a lot from Markstrom. So that wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. But again, right now you've got two goaltenders under contract. And I know that goaltending was one of the Flames of big Achilles heels this season and will have to be better next season. But we saw in most of the games down the stretch that uh, Jacob Markstrom still has the ability to play at a really high level. And I think he probably needs this offseason as badly as any member of the Flames just to uh, heal up both physically and mentally and, and decompress. Uh, he didn't look like the same guy coming out of that series against the orders, at least not for the majority of the season, but that doesn't mean that he can't be that guy again. Connor Hellebuck struggled last season. 
might win the Vesna for a second time this season. It happens. Good players have bad seasons. I still think Jacob Markstrom's a good player. I still think he's going to be their number one goaltender next year. I guess the bigger question for me is, who's going to be the number two? And are they at the point where they think that they have to to bring Dustin Wolf up to the NHL full-time? I'm not convinced that they are, but we might learn more about that today or in the coming days, weeks, or months. Derek, appreciate it as always, man. Uh, enjoy the golf course, eh? Yeah, well, unfortunately, Mother Nature's not cooperating with us when it comes to uh, hitting the links, although I think there are some courses that are opening. Speargrass Golf so, Course is open, Derek. There you go. There well, you, go. you and I are going to have opening to day. Uh, I don't know if we'll be back on with you guys regularly uh, moving forward here, but it's been a pleasure all season, so thanks for having me on, and uh, hopefully uh, happier times ahead here, guys. Agreed, friend. Uh, take care, hey. Appreciate you. Yeah. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Derek. There you go. Derek Wills joins us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Mm. Using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out a delivery at 403-248-3344. Coming up, got a couple things to do. We're talking a little soccer, mm-hmm. a little footy, yep. and we're talking a little golf. Tommy Wilden Jr. is going to join us, and Kevin Smith from Alberta Golf is going to join us as well. That's all coming up in the next segment before 9 o'clock. Then we're getting the Roughnecks story, and uh, we'll also wrap up with a little bit more uh, NHL conversation all before 10 o'clock. The Flames will clean out their lockers just before 10 o'clock and then speak to the media shortly after that. So we're looking forward to seeing what everybody has to say as the season has come to an end. Playoffs are set. We'll get into all of that on Monday as well. But up next, a little bit on the Cavs, the Roughnecks, and the golf. Sports at 960 The Fan. Your number one spot for Flames coverage can be found on Flames Talk with me, Pat Steinberg. Exclusive interviews, trusted insiders, and the latest news. Listen live weekday afternoons at 4 or stream the Flames Talk podcast on demand. Well, friends, doesn't get much better than this as uh, welcome back to the big show with Russick and Rose. George Russick is off. He's Golfing clown. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it's sweet. Sick, dude. Speargrass Golf Course is also opened up today. we got the Speargrass Golf Show coming up in about 10-ish minutes, 10, 12 minutes here. But we're closing down, heading into the weekend with uh, a chat with one of our favorites. Russ. The CPL is back, baby. Going to be a few weeks before Cavalry gets things underway at Atco Field down at Spruce Meadows. But Cavalry are on the road this weekend to get their season underway. And we say good morning to the head coach and the manager of Cavalry FC. His name is Tommy Wielden Jr. Hello, Tommy. How are you, buddy? Morning, guys. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Good. Actually, it feels like uh, I'm not sure if I'm in Hamilton or Hawaii because <laughs> the uh, weather is absolutely scorching. Here. Mm. Well, if you go over to yeah. Niagara, you can bump into Rusick and catch a round of golf with him out there. He's he's rubbing it in all of our faces. So uh, we're, we're hearing all about it. All that weather out there. Uh, yeah. It's been uh, it's been pretty hot out there. It's been it looks like it's going to be great here this weekend. So we're definitely looking forward to it. But the season has gotten underway. What what have the last couple of weeks looked like for you, Tommy? Getting uh, the group ready to play your first game this weekend in Hamilton. Uh, do you know what? It, it couldn't come soon enough. To be honest, I think um, you know it seems a long off season. Our last game was November, and we can manufacture as much as we can in terms of exhibition games and friendlies to try and generate it. But these are professional yeah. athletes and. We all like that buzz of, of playing professional sport. We like the buzz of chasing points. And, you know, in particular, these games against Forge are ones that really do heighten that adrenaline rush. So uh, last couple of weeks have been the final little details going into season. 
uh, we're in good shape. We're uh, looking good, feeling good. Now we just got to go out there and try and put as many points on the board while we're on this uh, this uh, way run and and see what we can bring back to Spruce Meadows. That rivalry with Forge, like there's there's got to be some extra fire with these guys. You know, you know, I know it's immature, more of it being the opener, but obviously the loss last year in the postseason. Is it, do you guys see that extra fire with the, with the group against when you come into Hamilton? Yeah, I mean, we shouldn't need to fuel the flames because it should speak for itself. And those yeah. guys that have been with us uh, for for the past few years and the ones that were involved in last year, you know, if it's anything like me, you know, I've been looking forward to it as soon as the schedule came out. It was a circle on the calendar, and I know a lot of the boys are the same. But the same token, you don't want it to over, you know, get over aroused with it. You've got to have just enough tempo because these are emotional games. And you've seen in that playoff game where, the referees got emotional and, mm-hmm. and some cards happened. So we've got to be able to control and do it in the right way. You know, we want to go and put our best foot forward. Uh, they're a terrific opponent because, you know, they're the current reigning champions. So we're the challengers. We have to own that crown and uh, we've got to come here and disrupt them. That preseason game on Saturday was great atmosphere down at Shouldice. was in attendance there. 4-0 win over FC Tigers out of Vancouver. Big game for a youth player that you have in your organization now coming in for banged up uh, Joe Mason and Ethan Beckford making quite an impact right off the bench as well. How do you feel about the depth you guys have this year? Yeah, I think we're younger and we're more dynamic. I think now if you look at it, you know, Joe Mason, Charlie Trapper, they're the only two players that are in their 30s. Everyone mm-hmm. else is younger. You know, young uh, Nico Mirian Chuck has been uh, really yeah. good for um, coming through the system, um, you know, and, and he's somebody to, to keep an eye on. Um, but, you know, Ethan Beckford was another one that we scoured out here in League One uh, League One uh, Ontario. Uh, but we've got our scout network, you know, in many places. And right now, what we feel we brought in this year is players that suit the needs that we had. You know, on the sales of Arabin Peppel and Victor Latore, we, we felt we lost that little bit of youthful dynamism. And we brought that in now. And then you add in some you know, international players like Jesse Daly, you got yeah. Shamit Shom, who's Mr. Consistency. These are these are good players to bring in. And also now we've got Fraser Ed that's returned and, and Fraser will feel like a new sign for us this season. So it's uh like I said we're we're happy with the state of the roster. There's not been any serious injuries that we had last year. You know, this time last year when we were talking, you know, Anthony Novak was, mm-hmm. you know, injured for the season in preseason, Tom Field, Fraser Ed five games in and you know, let's not forget Marco Carducci, you know, yeah. had his testicular cancer scare that he defeated and he's now the captain of the club. And, you know, 12 months is a, is a long time, but it feels like, uh, you know, not that long ago. Yeah, talk about the captains. It's a veteran-laden group. Uh, Marco's going to be the main one. And then you got your vices being Jose Escalante and Sergio Camargo. Are you, are you happy with that veteran group uh, that's going to be leading your charge right now this year? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're our longest-serving players. I mean, we yep. look at it now at Spruce Meadows. We always have this uh, thing in leadership, and it's it's something that you know wants to pay forward in the community. And we want to make you know not just this team better, but we want to make the community we're involved in. We want to have an impact on that. And you look at our first captain, Nick Ledgewood, now our assistant coach. You know, our next one, Mason Trafford, is now our commercial director. And now you look, Marco Carducci, and I think the work and his impact on the community already speaks for itself. So when he opens his mouth in the locker room or mm-hmm. on the training ground, he's got immediate respect. He's respected around the league. He's also, you know, the the, the players' association that he's their their president. Um, and then either side of him, he's got Jose Escalante, who you know he's such a great competitor and he brings his A game every single time. And you've got Sergio Camargo, who's our maverick, but he's an incredibly intelligent human being as well. So those two guys support Marco very, very well. And because they know the values of the club there, it's easier to 
you know, paint the picture to an Ethan Beckford or a Nico Mirinak who's just coming up through through the ranks. So it's uh, they're, they're, they're terrific. Uh, choices for captaincy and I think I'm looking forward to working with them this year on a leadership group. Uh, well, I guess you're, you're out in Ontario right now but how was, uh, did you know how the winter was, uh, how kind was it to Atco Field? I don't know if you guys tarp it or was it was it a decent winter for the field? Yeah, I know John, um, our grounds uh, guy, he's, uh, he's, he's currently I think pulling the top off this weekend, I okay. believe. It's, yeah, it's been fairly kind, I think really just as the season wraps up. You know, we put this tarp on, and it's great because it brings through the moisture, but mm-hmm. also keeps it, um, you know, from from really freezing. That's what damages it. I mean, we, you know, we're we're happy. We've got the best footballing stadium in the in the in the country, oh, really, yeah. because the grass pitch is phenomenal, the stadium and the atmosphere is is phenomenal. So, you know, we take good care of it, and uh, we're looking forward to getting back on there in April thirtieth. Well, Tommy, I hope the the Steel Town Air treats you well this weekend and uh, come home with uh, three points. And uh, well, you're in York next week, but then uh, on the thirtieth for Valor. Can't wait to see you guys back here. It's going to be a great year. I can't wait for it. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Tommy. Right. Great chat as always. Yeah. Uh, Echo Field at Spruce Meadows mm-hmm. is going to be hopping there. What couple weeks away April from 30th. their home opener? Mm-hmm. That's going to be fun. I'm excited for this season. Trying get to down get there. Uh, Brody's going to get season tickets. Is he going to get seasons? He's trying yeah. to. He's I, where are yours? I'm in the supporter stand, section 201. Okay. Yeah. So you can find Patty Dumont yeah, if you're going to the game. Oh, yeah. Well, what's holding you back, Broads? Oh, no. Before it was the transportation, but uh-huh. I've kind of been made aware of that bus yes. that goes from Ship and Anchor. So I am. Two buses. My, my goal wow. is to be at every game this year at home. Hell that yeah. is my goal. What's that? Eight? No, more than that. Oh, yeah. They get Way the, more than that. What are they 14. 14, yeah. 14 plus uh, possibly uh, cup matches. Playoffs, yeah. Cup matches, all that type of stuff. Yeah. Right on. Looking forward to that. They're getting the season underway. They'll play Saturday mm-hmm. in Hamilton against Forge. Uh, that'll be a 2 o'clock, two o'clock. start on the road. Uh, and then they'll play on the road again next weekend, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also getting set for the golf thing, because uh, the golf season. Because sure enough... Uh, Speargrass Golf Course is opening up. Courses around town are getting going here. Uh, we get the Speargrass Golf Show coming up in just a couple minutes here. Kevin Smith is going to join us. But before that, did have a four-pack of tickets that we could give away to go to Speargrass. Try out the links just south of Calgary. Uh, love going down to Speargrass. they got a great track mm-hmm. set up, and now that they're open, excited to go out and give it uh, the first swing of the 2023 summer. But we've been asking uh, our listeners all morning long on the text line, who would be the most surprising flame who's cleaning out their locker for the last time and why? Everybody's cleaning out their locker. Who would be the most surprising flame to clean it out for the very last time? Brody, can we get a few texts in here before we chat with Kevin Smith? Paul in Tuscany. We are going to retire early to become a surly, often vacationing, F-less celebrity guest on the Fan 960. <laughs> the Fan 960, hey? It's on the dial. That's us. Uh, I like that. I, I think Mackenzie Weger could still play in the NHL for I, quite some time. I, I, he's pretty good. But I also have, would have no problem with him deciding to retire <laughs> and, and, and come and be our... Well, he'd be the star of the show. Oh, I, mean, 100%. I, don't think we, yeah, <laughs> I don't think we need to kid anybody. Yeah, here. no. Um, I, I doubt that's happening. That would be surprising. Would that's be a, a good one. It would be a big career shift. I'm going to write... Yeah, it would. I'm going to write down uh, Weger goes to radio. Okay, uh, let's get another one in here. Ted from Woodlands. I think the Zamboni will be traded because it is faster and more skilled than Nick Ritchie. Oh. <laughs> it turns those corners pretty good. I- <laughs> <laughs> 
Makes good, strong plays in the neutral zone. Doesn't hit the boards either. Yeah, you know what? (laughs) You could park that Zamboni in front of the net and it'd do some damage. Oh, yeah. Um, very nice, very clever. I like that. Nick Ritchie just taking it on the teeth. All right, another one. Jared, Backlund for sure. He has been on the team since I was in high school. I'm almost thirty now. Same man. I remember his first game, or he he just uh, came after the World Juniors, played the Islanders, and was out to Kelowna. I I remember it because I was doing a, I was building a stupid thing for math class. And it was like, it was you know you did like make an object yeah. bigger. I I literally have like the weirdest memory of yep. just walking through Springbank Community High School talking to a friend about the new draft pick. Yeah. Like, oh, there's Michael Backlund. Michael yeah, Backlund yeah, is this guy. He's you know, the guy he, they got last summer, man. Uh, this guy could be really be a player. Could be a player. And he has been a player. It would be surprising if he left. That is for sure. I would be I'd be sad if he left. I don't I don't think I think he put it right there with Geo. Yeah, yeah. I think it just be this. Hey, cool. if he leaves this summer, at least you're getting something for him. Yeah, exactly. All right, another one. Tyler from Douglasdale, Harvey the Hound played his last game. He has struggled to get the dome rocking the latter half of the season, and the drum just isn't as loud. He's hitting forty this year, and will probably start cup hunting. <laughs> been a while. It has been a while. It's been a, it's while. Been a while since, since Harvey's tasted true victory. Um, you know, oldest I, like, mascot, first mascot in the NHL. Listen, the age, the age ad, adds up, man. And I got to say that drum, that drum has seen some days. Like if you ever see Harvey come through with that thing. Oh, it's beat. It is beat to the beat. nines. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Harvey scared the crap out of me at that Sharks game. What'd he do? He was right oh. behind me with the drum. I had no idea. Oh, <laughs> and he's just jarring right there. Yeah. Oh my. It's like the cannon in Columbus, isn't it? Literally. It yeah, was, it's. The best thing he had, like last year, I saw in the playoffs, they had him on that scissor lift. Yeah, like, that was random, and I thought that was the most hilarious thing. Yeah, that was sketchy. <laughs> I thought that was sketchy personally. Like, I was like, that, I don't know about that. I wouldn't go up there, especially in a suit. Are you kidding yeah. me? All right, so Harvey's getting dealt because he's chasing a cup. All right, give me one more, and then uh, we'll get to our next guest here. Kurt in Parkdale, ten F retires. His brother retires. Okay. Uh-huh. And they form a tag team and both win WWE oh. belts. All right, tag champs, the Tanevs. The Tanev tag team champ. What would that? What would their name be? Oh God, oh. The, the Toothless Twins. Oh, yeah. Just I off the top, like, can't say Toothless there. Aggression because that, that's a no-no. Toothless, because they don't have teeth, so they kind of yeah. whistle when they talk. Sometimes Toothless. Um, the terror, tan, tan of terror. I don't know. Like, something about being scared of ghosts because that. There's already been a Basham Brothers. Mm-hmm. I figure that that would have been all right, but there's already been a Basham Brothers. Hmm. I think it just goes Tanavs. You know, we got the Hardys. You know, they they go by their last name. You know, it's whatever. I'm trying to think of another good tag team name for that. I like that idea of the Tanavs retiring and then joining. Yeah, joining a wrestling yeah. company and winning the tag team belt. Like yeah. I think they could do it. Maybe need to put on a little bit of just like swole muscle rather yeah. than that lean muscle. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. All right, those are some good ones. Um, we're gonna give the prize out just after nine o'clock before we chat with oh, Mike. The Bork. Flying Tanevs. The Flying Tanevs. All right, we'll write that one down too. I High look- flyers. That's a good one. All right, write that down. Flying Tanevs. T right. Generation X. What? T Generation X. T Generation because Tanev? Yeah, not yeah. D, but T yeah, or T X. It's not the best. <laughs> it's not the best. 
Uh, all right, let's get to the Speargrass Golf Show. It is Friday. We're going to do this every Friday for the course of the golf season, and uh, it's brought to you by Speargrass Golf Course, Calgary's most friendly and relaxed golf experience, just 30 kilometers southeast of the city, now open for the season. Book your tee times at speargrass.ca. And we are joined by Kevin Smith, who joins us from Alberta Golf, Does uh, handles their communications. Good morning, Kevin. How's it going, man? Oh, I'm doing great, Matt and Patrick, and thanks for having me on. And, uh, you know, now that we got through the Masters, it feels like golf season's finally here locally. It's great to hear that Speargrass is open. And, you know, when I was driving in that blizzard last night in Springbank, it just, you know, nothing says golf season like that, right? Man, uh, you mentioned the Masters. I did want to ask you about that. We had been kind of texting back and forth because uh, it was a great tournament. We all love seeing John Rom win. Congratulations. Excellent stuff. Brooks Kepka and all that jazz. But Patrick Cantley needs to pick up his pace. Where are you at on slow pace of play? Oh, man. Um, it is funny after the whole fracturing of golf and the whole the good guys stayed on the PGA tour and all the jerks left for the live tour and they came back together and all that happened. Phil almost winning at 52 that, that we're talking about slow play, but you know, I'm kind of with you. Every time Patrick Cantley was on putting, you know, he does that, you know, test the ground with his feet 50 times. And I mean, you know, even I'm just like, I, I can't watch this. Like, yeah. you know, this is, this is a coffee break. And, you know, I mean, in my role at Alberta golf, you know, it's, it's kind of our job to try and get teenagers into golf and get young people into the game. And I mean, if I don't have the patience for that, there's no way in the world that a teenager is going to turn on the TV, watch that and say, um, yeah, no, not for me. So, but you know, slow play is something they've been trying to fix in the game forever. I mean, they, they used to have a shot clock, you know, mm -hmm. in baseball, they have a shot clock. Now they had a shot clock on the, on the European tour a couple of years ago, but that went by the wayside. I mean, when you have 50, 60 players on course or early in, early in tournaments, 144 players, you just don't have enough officials to stand there with a shot clock yeah. or, or a watch on every on every every play. I think you just need to take Patrick Cantlay and lock him in a room for 24 yes. hours, you know, and, and just have him watch his putting because maybe he doesn't realize how painful it is is to watch. I know at the end of the round, maybe he his 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 group wasn't that out of position, and I know I'm sure they were waiting a lot. And you know, we saw the amateur Sam Bennett; he he was reclutching. 10 oh, times yeah. before every swing as well. So it's not just Patrick Cantlay, but uh, yeah, just like that, that scene from Clockwork Orange, I, I think Patrick yeah. Cantlay needs to just be in a room for, uh, for 24 hours watching, watching his putting over and over, and, and, and I don't think he'll ever be that bad again. This is what you're doing. Everybody has to watch this. You need yeah. to watch this and understand what you're doing to everybody around you. I'm totally there with you. Hey, you mentioned yeah. Sam Bennett, that uh, exciting young amateur who was playing with Scotty Scheffler on day one. He played in the final grouping with Rom later on in the tournament. Um, for me, that guy's got live golf written all over him. What, what did you think of seeing Sam Bennett in the Masters? Um, well, people have to understand. I mean, you know, you have players like Tom Kim, who's a young American, you know, that didn't get much talked about. I mean, he's 20 and he played phenomenal. That's almost 24 years old, so it's not like he's a teenager. Uh, he's just chosen to stay in college for five years. Um, you know, the Masters obviously celebrates amateur play, and he's the U.S. amateur champion, so he's there. He's a bit more older and a bit more seasoned. It was his second major, and he played fantastic. Um, I, I, as far as the live thing, I don't know. I mean, that's a conversation for a different day on a number of levels. I will say regarding live. You know, the game has been so fractured, and we all wondered, you know, could these live players even come in and compete considering they play on this 
tour with shotgun starts and, and 54 holes and you know they've already made their money and but obviously they can still compete at the highest level and I think it was great to see best on best again and I think no there's lawsuits going on there's still horrible feelings on both sides but I think this Masters could kind of start the ball rolling in the next I don't know two three five years to eventually get them back together more often, which I think would be great. So maybe in some way the fracturing of the game long-term could lead to golf being as exciting as ever in, in three to five years. But uh, I don't know. It was just it was an amazing Masters. That's all I can say. Uh, what would you make of Phil? Well, look, <laughs> he was the one who put himself out there to, to say that the PGA Tour needs to pay their stars more. And he was the one that put himself out there and, and starts this rival league. He's in his 50s. I mean, you know, he, he doesn't want the grind of the PGA Tour anymore. He did it the wrong way. I mean, and, and I, we don't know what's going on in his personal life. But, you know, I was at the PGA Championship last year in Tulsa. The year before, he had won it at the age of 50. It was one of the greatest wins of all time. And he wasn't even back to defend. He, he, he wasn't in the Masters last year. He just disappeared. Like, we hadn't seen him. So, you know, he showed up at Augusta this year, lost 30 pounds, um, wasn't the same Phil, didn't seem very happy in life, went to the Champions Dinner, didn't say one thing. I mean, that's, you know, now I understand he was just trying to not bring Liv into it. He wanted to respect Augusta and just make it about the golf. Um, Unbelievable for him to finish second. I mean, at one point on the Sunday, I thought he could win the tournament. If Rom looks up at that and goes, my God, you know, Phil's at eight under, you know, people may not know that, that Phil's brother, Tim, who caddied for Phil at the Masters, that was John Rom's coach at Arizona State. I mean, there's a lot going on there. Rom could have had that get to his head and, and maybe fallen off a bit, and maybe Phil Mickelson's uh, slipping on a fourth green jacket. What a story that would have been. But uh, I think it was unbelievably impressive that, uh, that Phil finished second at, at the age of 52. And you know, we'll see going forward. I I thought it was good to see Phil Mickelson have a smile on his face again, yeah. personally. Yeah, agreed. Uh, wanted to ask you a little bit more about uh, golf here in Alberta as we're chatting with Kevin mm. Smith from Alberta Golf. You got a couple of great things for people who are looking to get into the game, whether it's Youth on Course, which allows for $5 golf for kids at selected courses, or the recreational brand Upswing. Can you tell us a little bit about both of those and how you're trying to get more people into the game? You bet. So, I mean, obviously, for, since 1912, Alberta Golf is known for running the elite championships for the best players in the province, and we're still doing that. We've got, you know, 13 championships all across the province at different age levels and, and everything in between. But, you know, we also have a membership of 50,000 golfers, so obviously not everyone's elite. That's, that's, that's a very small portion of it. So, yeah, the Youth on Course program, uh, it's been a hit in the States for about 15 years. We brought it to, to Alberta for the First time ever in Canada back in 2019, and it's really taken off. So we have 25 courses all across the province. Um, you know, we've got courses in this area like Shaganapi and McCall, the, you know, the Tunnel Line at Banff Springs. And if you become a member of Alberta Golf uh, and you're under 18, you can access those courses all summer long, repeat, rinse, repeat for $5.00. Um, now, the courses do have selected times. You can't just go there, you know, Saturday at noon. But, um, yeah, it is a great way to break down cost barriers. It is a great way to get kids to explore the game. Um, I think we had 5,000 rounds played through the province last year where kids played for $5. So, um, it, yeah, it, so the Youth on Course program, um, look for that on our website, albertagolf.org. You can click on the Juniors tab, and, and you'll read all about it and, and 
and we're just announcing the stable of 25 courses um, right now. So oh, um, awesome. that's out there. Yeah, as far as upswing, um, upswing by Alberta Golf um, is in its infancy. Uh, right now we have a website, upswinggolf.ca. And what we're trying to do is have it be a one-stop shop where you can go on the website and say, you know, I want to find a golf course within 30 kilometers. It's at this price point that's, you know, it's nine holes or this or that. And, and, and it filters out and it tells you your options. And, you know, we're getting all 200 courses in the province on board with Upswing so that you can go on there and click, I want to find a, a ladies league on a Tuesday night. I want to find a... You know, it, it, basically, it's, it's, like, it's like a one-stop shop to find your fun golf experience. So it's in its infancy. It's going to grow. Um, you know, we have some fun events uh, all across uh, Alberta this summer where you can go to Stewart Creek. You can go to Banff. And, and you just show up. You play. You're not – there's no competition to it. It's just, you know, it's a way to explore the game, meet some friends, have some fun. So that is the slogan of Upswing Golf is fine – your fun. So those are both two, you know, very good avenues, you know, upswing and youth on course uh, to discover the game of golf. Cause as we saw during COVID it's, uh, it's exploding. How about for people who are looking for something a little bit more competitive? Do you have a schedule laid out for what's going to be going on in Alberta as well? Absolutely. And it's probably the, I joined Alberta golf in 2019. This is the busiest schedule we've had. So I mean, we start in Sundry, a uh, beautiful golf course, kind of a hidden gem, uh, May 22nd. And um, this is a, a best ball championship, so kind of a pairs event. Uh, and then we get into our, our championship season. We, we have a mid-master championship for, for those 40 and older. Uh, that's going to be at the Olds Golf Club in June. Um, with the women's amateur is going to be at Water Valley. I'm very excited to go there. I actually haven't been on site at Water Valley before, so that's just uh, north west of Cochrane, uh, and that's, um, you know, always great to, to see the best females play. Uh, but, yeah, we go to Innisfil for our men's amateur championship. Brady McKinley is defending, uh, defending champion. This guy's gone to the States at Utah Valley University and, and is setting all these records. He's won four tournaments in a row. So it's always great to have the best players come back. But you bet we have under-19 championship at Turner Valley if, if you're um, in that age bracket. We've got the mid-amateur up at a very nice private course in Edmonton, the Windermere, in, in uh, mid-July. So, you know, we have senior championships as well. Um, it all uh, culminates uh, – oh, I should say we also mm -hmm. have, for the very first time ever, um, an all-abilities championship at McCall Lake, August 8th and 9th. So, I mean, any facet of golf that you play at, at a higher level – um, we're adding a super senior championship that's going to be at the track in Langdon late August, and we have our uh, interclub championship in, in September in Kananaskis to cap off the whole season. So uh, I'm looking at it right now. We've got 13 championships, uh, all ages, and, and uh, yeah, you can find out the information on that, albertagolf.org. And, uh, you know, I even tried out competing last year in, <laughs> in our mid-master championship, and it was it was fun. It was scary. I'm going to try it again this year. But, yeah, if you're someone that plays in your club championships and you've always wondered what it's like to take that to the next level, don't be intimidated. Give it a try. You know, I shot 90 last year but still had fun and, and, and have a goal to do better this year. It's, it's, tournament golf is, is a different animal, but it's, it's a lot of fun. The season is upon us, uh, and we're very excited for it. Kevin, enjoy the weekend. Uh, hopefully you get out and swing them a little bit. You bet. Heading to Copper Point uh, this weekend for we have our top 20 um, 
junior high-performance athletes. So going up there for a camp and going to feature some of the athletes and get some golf in as well. So uh, you bet, Copper Point to start the season, and then uh, hopefully the snow will be gone when I get back next week. But thanks for having me on, guys. (laughs) Yeah, no problem. We'll chat with you again as the season wears on. Okay, cheers. There you go. That's Kevin Smith. He's from Alberta Golf. Mm. Runs some of their communications there, and he joined us for the Speargrass Golf Show. Brought to you by Speargrass Golf Course, Calgary's most friendly and relaxed golf experience, 30 kilometers southeast of the city, now open for the season. You can book your tee times at speargrass.ca. They are open today. Uh, and uh, I'm just going to throw this out there, Pat. If you can find a tee time today and skip out on work. What's, uh, what's the afternoon looking like? Today's going to be the day. Hey, I don't... You don't know. Okay, I'm not going to tell you. I don't. We don't need to we muddy the waters. Know. You don't we know. don't need to muddy the waters. You know what I'm seeing? You're seeing sun right now. Blue skies yeah. and no clouds. <laughs> that's what I see right now. Yeah. And that's golf weather. Yeah. Uh, that'll do it. Uh, around the corner, we'll take a quick break. Mike Board is going to join us, but we're also going to give away tickets to mm-hmm. Speargrass Golf Course. That's right around the corner, right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan.